Good morning and welcome to Money Wise with Ray Lance of USA Wealth Group, your financial and retirement guide. Folks, the mission of USA Wealth is to help you protect your family and protect your money. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. Thank you for listening. Today we're going to talk about the economy, some interesting things that are happening across our country, around the world. And we're also going to talk about retirement strategies and what are some of the things that we might need to do to exist and survive and thrive in this unusual economy. Let me give you some news that's been in the Wall Street Journal and on the media for just the last week, just this past week. On September 25th in the Wall Street Journal, it was announced that Caterpillar Company is going to cut 10,000 jobs, uh, a really serious uh, impact on the economy, and it's a reflection of what's happening in construction and manufacturing. But 10,000 people they're going to cut. Uh, this is going to occur over between now and 2018. They expect to cut their costs by over $1.5 billion. But Caterpillar has been sort of a bellwether of the economy. Here's another interesting thing that was just recently in the news, literally in the last couple of days, again in the Wall Street Journal, Whole Foods Company, big major grocery chain retailer. They're going to shed 1,500 jobs as their sales stumble across the country. They're going to cut 1,500 jobs. This is a natural and organic grocer. They're going to work to lower prices and upgrade technology. It's about 1.6% of their workforce. Those are not particularly good signs for the economy. Another thing that caught my eye this week as I was looking at national news, again from the Wall Street Journal, the cost of a family health insurance plan in this country right now averages $17,000 a year. So the average cost of employer health, cover health coverage exceeded $17,000 for a family plan this year, despite continued growth in the economy in some areas, but the costs continue to increase. Now, the funny thing with all this is that inflation, ironically, hasn't really started to, to elevate yet, but the Federal Reserve is expecting to have inflation really take off. Now, the average family uh, cost for health insurance is about $6,200 a year, and employers make up the difference typically. So if you're fortunate enough to work for a family situation, a family-run firm, or a small company where they pay health insurance, uh, we do that in my office, for example. We cover and have always covered 100% of the cost of the health insurance for our employees. It's a serious, serious expense. But if you happen to work for other kinds of companies, some companies will cover it, some don't. Sometimes you might work for a government organization where they'll cover part of your health insurance cost. But this is a serious cost. Nobody can afford to be without health insurance uh, today. I'm going to talk a little bit about bonds in just a minute. It's not a topic for everybody, but I want to tell you why what's happening with the interest rates in this country and what's going to happen with the interest rates is going to have an impact on the bond market. You know, the past couple of weeks, I've been doing a great deal of traveling. I just spent, uh, in the last five weeks, I've made two separate trips out to Topeka, Kansas, a really interesting place. In order to get to Topeka, you can't fly into Topeka. You have to fly into Kansas City. And, of course, you try to wear something relating to 
the New England Patriots when you fly into Kansas City because that's always fun. There's actually a lot of Patriots fans out there. So you fly into Kansas City, and then you have to drive an hour and 15 minutes to get to Topeka. It's actually a pretty city, and Topeka is the state capital of Kansas. Um, so it's, it's an interesting town. Uh, it's fairly flat, but the people are really nice in Topeka. I have to say that's the nicest feature of Topeka. And Kansas, and Topeka in particular, and Des Moines, Iowa, and those places, that happens to be the insurance headquarters in the United States of America. There are more insurance companies located there. I remember a number of years ago, I had a very good friend. Uh, she's not with us now. She uh, passed away, but she was a Ph.D. in economics. And she did a lot of work advising people on lotteries and the gaming industry. She did work in Massachusetts, for example, on what the best place was to locate oh, a gambling casino. She did some work for the Massachusetts State Lottery on what would be the impact of a casino coming to Massachusetts, how would it impact revenues in the Massachusetts State Lottery and things of that nature. One of the things that she was hired to do, which I always felt was fascinating, she was hired by a nationally known animal shelter in Long Island. The Long Island Animal Shelter hired her and said, we want to have people that we can hire who have a really good work ethic to help us in our call center. We need to make calls to people asking for donations. That's part of what we need to do to raise funds to support the Long Island Animal Shelter. And so we'd like you to tell us whereabouts in the country should we locate our call center. We want to find a place where people have good work ethics, where they will show up on time, where they will give a normal uh, eight hours a day, whatever it happens to be, and also where they will be relatively unaccented. So long story short, she surveyed the whole country and came back, and she recommended the Midwest as a good place for them to locate their calling center to raise funds. Well, that's where I was. That's where I've spent some time the last couple of weeks. And I have to say, I do admire the people in the Midwest. I'm relatively unaccented myself because, you see, when I was a kid, I spent a long time in North Carolina growing up, and not too many people know that. My dad was in the Marine Corps for 20 years, and we lived three separate times at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And so, first of all, I learned how to pronounce my R's, and people in Massachusetts typically don't. So if you wonder why I have no accent, it's because I've lived in a number of different places. But anyway, I, uh, I did enjoy my trips out to Topeka, and let me tell you why I was out there visiting. We're exploring and in final negotiations to link up with a nationally-based company based out of Topeka, Kansas, which will help us in helping you, the listening public, learn more about retirement planning and financial decisions and saving decisions and life insurance and annuities and everything that we do that's useful to you. And we felt that they have such a great, strong group of people that can help us learn even more that was important for us to do that. So I've been spending a lot of time over the past five or six weeks doing investigations, not only uh, in Topeka, Kansas, but in other parts of the country. So let me tell you something that happened to me. When I was nine years old, I was in an F5 tornado 
in Worcester, Massachusetts. My family lived in Worcester at the time. An F5 tornado, if you don't know, is the largest, the strongest tornado that gets measured. That happened in 1953. And at that point in time, I lived in a place called Great Brook Valley. It was a subsidized housing, low-income housing project, which is where I grew up, mostly in military housing or low-income housing. And that project was basically leveled. It was destroyed. That F5 tornado that came through, which is the strongest tornado ever to hit the state of Massachusetts, basically destroyed everything we had inside of our home. There were shards of glass that were impregnated into our furniture. We lost everything. We lost our clothing. We had nothing. And at that point in time, there was a very important organization that came to our help and to our aid, and that was the American Red Cross. And that made a huge impression upon me, even to this day. And by the way, I can still remember every single physical detail of what happened that day with the tornado. I can remember what the sky looked like. It was this really yellowish, greenish color, and then the, earth, the air became totally still. There wasn't a breath of air moving. And we were outside playing at the time. My mother was working. We had a, a babysitter helping to take care of us. And all of a sudden, it started to hail like crazy, and the wind started to pick up. And the babysitter started to scream for us to come indoors, and we did. And I can remember racing up the three stories to the top level where she had her apartment, our babysitter, and I tried to close the window in the hallway, and I couldn't. And I literally saw a car fly by the window of this third-story apartment. And I gave up trying to lower the window because of the air pressure. And just as I went running back inside, the wind just totally shattered the glass in that window. So I left just in time. And then we, we were all behind a couch, and it sounded like the loudest freight train, railroad train you've ever heard in your life. So I remember that experience very well, but I remember just as much afterwards the fact that the American Red Cross helped us. And that made a big impression upon me in terms of who I am and what I do, because I think it's really important to support organizations that uh, reach out to help people or that have helped you. So for example, in my office, we support the Shrine. I'm active uh, in the Shriners. Um, they do wonderful things for free hospital care for children, children who've had burns and orthopedics. And whatever your particular interest is, whatever your particular organization, I always encourage everyone to support some organization. There are so many good causes that are out there. So let me talk about bonds for just a minute. I've told you a little bit about my background and some of the things that I do. Let me tell you a little bit about an article that was also just recently in the last few days, also in the Wall Street Journal. I, I enjoy this paper. I read it faithfully. And the article says, U.S. bonds flash a warning sign. It's a little bit of a technical subject, but what I want to tell you is that there's an inverse relationship between interest rates going up and the value of bonds going down. So if you want to watch what's happening in the economy, pay close attention to what the Federal Reserve does. This past month, the Federal Reserve met, and um, the chairman, Janet Yellen, announced that they were not going to raise the interest rates in the month of September. But she continues to put out the warning in the notice. And anyone who has interest in interest rates or finances really needs to pay attention to what the Federal Reserve is going to do. 
So here's what they did. They did nothing. They did not raise the interest rates. It's been about eight years now that the interest rates have been at an all-time historic low. Now, on the one hand, that might be good if you're buying a house because mortgage interest rates are still down. But let's talk for a minute about how it impacts the overall economy. Once the Federal Reserve starts to raise interest rates, and you need to pay close attention to that, several things are going to happen. First of all, the stock market's going to go nuts because rates are going to, I mean, the stock values are going to go down, and they're going to go up, and they're going to be swinging, and they're going to be swinging all over the place. Nobody can really predict what the impact will be on the stock market. But what we can tell you is that the value of bonds is going to go down. So if you happen to have bonds or bond funds and you think that's a great safe place to be, just remember that the minute the Federal Reserve starts to raise the interest rates, it's going to have a negative impact on the value of bonds that people have. And we can't begin yet to predict what the overall impact will be on the economy. So coming back to this little article that was in the paper, what it basically says is that the yield or the rates that corporations are paying on bonds, remember when corporations want to borrow money, they issue a bond. That's how they raise their money. When a corporation wants to borrow money, they don't typically go to their local bank and say, we'd like to borrow $100 million or something of that nature. Yes, they can do that, but a typical way for corporations to borrow money is to put out a corporate bond. And they put a a rate on the bond, and then people will buy those bonds, and it becomes like an IOU to the people that are the bondholders. So the corporations have to pay those bonds back plus the interest. Well, what's happening right now is that the rates that the corporations are having to pay on bonds is slowly creeping up, and yet the rates on the Treasury bonds, the United States government obligations, are still staying very low. And so the difference between what the U.S. Treasury is paying on their bonds and what corporations are paying on their bonds, which is a higher amount, is called a spread. Well, that spread is increasing, and a lot of economists are regarding that as a danger sign for our economy overall. So it's not simply the bonds that we're concerned about, and what does that mean for people who buy bonds, because not everybody does. But rather, this is a reflection of what might be happening or what might be forecasted to happen in the next few months or the next year in our overall economy. Um, What they're saying in this article is it's just not a good sign to see the spread happening because some of the times when that's happened before, it signaled major crises in the finances in this country. So the previous times when this happened, when this big spread started to occur was in 1997 and 1998, and that was caused because it was a big financial crisis in the Asian countries. Well, guess what? We're having a big financial crisis again today in the financial countries, and and the Asian countries, especially in China. And then what happened in the Asian countries, uh, preceded by a couple of years when all the so-called dot-com companies, all the high-tech companies collapsed. So that was in 1997 and 1998. That's not that long ago. I mean, that's just not that long ago. The other time when that happened was in uh, 2008, um, and when we had the collapse in the real estate market. There was also a bond spread increase. So the warning sign right now is to pay attention to what the Federal Reserve is doing, 
And although this is a small thing that most people don't really care about, it wasn't really a terribly big article, but it was kind of interesting, I thought. What they're saying is it may be a forecasting that we're still in for some hard times coming up in the future. And why is that important to the average listener of this radio station, for example? Because what it means is you need to think about how to protect your money. So let's come back to an average person. Um, is your money safe in the bank? Absolutely, it's safe in the bank. You have insured accounts in the bank. Are you making any money in the bank? No, you're not making any money in the bank right now. Now, rates will start to go up a little bit um, once the Federal Reserve starts to raise the rates, but it's not going to make a significant difference for most people who have money in the bank. So the next question is, do you want to be in the stock market? Maybe. There's nothing wrong with being in the stock market, but you better have a good advisor or you better have some good luck, or you better have some sense yourself about what you're doing. So what we like to do in our office is we talk a lot about safe money strategies. And there's some very specific things you can do to be safe about your money and to protect your money. And you can do anything from life insurance contracts, which might sound surprising. Well, gee, why would I put my money into a life insurance contract? Well, I'm going to come back a little bit later and tell you why that could be a good strategy for some people. It can protect your money, your money can grow, and yet when you want the money, you can pull it out without having to pay any taxes on it because it's a loan from the insurance company. It's not income to you. So that's one strategy. I'm going to actually talk about that in a little bit more detail and explain why some of the reasons why life insurance can be a good bet for a lot of people. The other area you, you might want to be in is something like annuities. It can be a payout annuity that pays you a guaranteed sum for a period of years or for the rest of your life, or it can be a deferred annuity that's accumulating value for you. But the kinds of annuities that we recommend people take a look at as a general concept is get into something that's not going to go up and down where the principal is always protected and the principal cannot go down. Let me come back to some economic news for one more minute. There's another article that was just in the paper two days ago. Again, also the Wall Street Journal. Great paper, by the way. I love the Wall Street Journal. The, um, the Federal Reserve is composed of a number of um, people from different Federal Reserve banks from around the country. And one of the most powerful banks in the country, of course, would be the uh, Bank of New York, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. And so the uh, the chairman, or I'm not sure what his title is, a gentleman named William Ridley, he's actually the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, has also confirmed his expectation that the central bank, which is the Federal Reserve, is again likely to raise short-term interest rates this year. So he's basically echoing the same remarks by Federal Reserve uh, Chairwoman Janet Yellen. So not only is he talking about it, but the chairman is talking about it. Once they get the other people on board, we'll expect to see some increase in those rates. Now, the assessment of uh, this Mr. Dudley, Mr. William Dudley, is that he said that although the U.S. economy appears solid, federal officials are still weighing now how, how the economy might be affected and whether there would be any economic turmoil if they go ahead and raise the rates. So the best economists, the best bankers in the country are still struggling with a decision about whether to raise the rates. And that's a reflection of two things. One, 
is the economy really strong enough to do it? So, for example, Mr. Dudley said, the economy is doing pretty well, but international developments have created a little bit more uncertainty about what lies ahead. And we've all heard the stories on the news about China and the problems in China. China's economy is not doing well right now, and that impacts everybody around the world. Whether we like it or not, we have a global international economy that we have to think about. It's not just the U.S. economy. Uh, thank God for all of us that we do live in this country because we still have the best country, the best government, um, not necessarily the best politicians, but we have the best government, and uh, we still have the best economy to live in. But it's not a great economy right now. So um, the president of the Chicago Federal Reserve, this is the last quotation I want to give you about this, says, before raising rates, I would like to have more confidence than I do today that inflation is indeed beginning to head higher. So the second reason that the Federal Reserve will raise rates is because they're concerned that the economy may be overheating and we're going to have inflation. Nobody wants inflation. Look at what it costs to buy a car today compared to what it costs to buy a car five years ago, ten years ago. Um, difference between a car today and a car ten years ago is probably close to being double what it was. That's inflation. Look what it costs to buy a loaf of bread today compared to what it costs two years ago, five years ago. Everything is going up, including, as I mentioned earlier, health costs. So we, we do need to think about planning all the time. There's a famous uh, economist from New York, Bernard Baruch, who said, we can't cross a bridge until we come to it, but I always like to lay down a pontoon ahead of time. So I love my quotations, and if you listen to my show on a regular basis, I th think there's a lot of magic in many of them. And this one I've used before, but I love it, and I'm going to give it again. Uh, a gentleman named David Burnham. Make no little plans. They have no magic to stir men's blood. Make big plans. Aim high and hope and work, and let your watchword be order and your beacon beauty. And that's something I tell people all the time. Don't make little plans. Make big plans. But most importantly, give us a call at USA Wealth Group at 508-998-8858 and ask for one of the many free reports that we can do. One of the things that we do in our office is we do a complete retirement report for somebody. When you come into our office, we're going to make sure you've done a budget because almost nobody has done one. We're going to make sure we analyze your finances, your income, your expenses. What are your assets? What are your sources of income for retirement purposes? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about when to take Social Security? Um, I'm not going to give you huge information today about Social Security, but I'm going to give you a few very specific things that you want to know. And here's a very important question I want to ask everyone listening today. How long do you expect to live? Have you ever asked yourself the question? I don't like to ask the question the other way. When do you think you're going to die? That's a, that's a negative question. But I want to ask you the question, and I'd like you to think about this today. If you think about nothing else that we talk about today, how long do you expect to live? And you really ought to put a number on that, and you ought to think about that. Myself? Well, I'm planning that I'm going to live for at least another 25 years. And so when I sit down to plan, I want to lay out a 25-year plan for myself. I want to say, what do I want to do in the next six months, the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 25 years? Where do I want to be in the next 25 years and what do, I want, what do I want to do to make sure that my family is taken care of? 
how can I protect my family and how can I protect my money? And that's what we want to do for you. That's our mantra. We want to show you everything that you can do, a lot of good ideas that you can do to protect your family and to protect your money. So give us a call at 508-998-8858. We've helped thousands and thousands of people over the years, and it's it's very gratifying when we can do that. Now, um, let me come back to uh, a couple of other things that I want to talk about the economy in general. Actually, I'm going to give you one quick quotation that I also like from uh, Ben Franklin. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. So think about doing some planning. I want to tell you some other exciting things that we're doing. Um, If you've ever heard of the national speaker and author Tony Robbins, he's a motivational speaker. He has sold books. He has sold tapes. Uh, He's a giant of a man but he's a giant of a man in terms of things that he has done also. He has a foundation. He literally, literally feeds millions of people every single year through his foundation, millions of people. Um, So he not only makes a lot of money, but he does really good things for people. And that goes back to really the first message that I gave when I started this first half hour, and that is What organization do you belong to or what organization could you support that would make a difference? It would make a difference in somebody else's life. It would make a difference in your life. You know, we all feel better when we're doing something to help somebody else. And that's really part of our mission here. So I'm going to come right back uh, in just a moment and tell you a little bit more about Tony Robbins and a recent book that he's written called Money, Master the Game. Please stay tuned. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. MoneyWise, uh, we have a lot of fun doing MoneyWise. Sometimes I speak for myself as I'm doing today. Other times we have guests on. But the one thing that we really try to do on MoneyWise every week is do some planning. We like to impart information that will be helpful to you, maybe give you some information about something that you haven't known before, And one of the things I like to tell people all the time is to do something to make a long life worth living. Do something that you can help somebody else. Uh, We all hope to grow old. We hope to grow old perhaps with a spouse or with family members. We hope to spend time with grandchildren if we have grandchildren. The average life expectancy in this country today is 81 for women and 76 for men. And these are figures as of June of this year, June in 2015. Now, it's interesting because you read the obituaries in the paper a lot, and sometimes you'll see, well, this person was 87 years old or they were 92 years old. But take a look at all the people who leave the planet at a younger age. And what I encourage people to do, I do it in my own family, make your own life a life that's worth living. What can you contribute? Are you occupying space on this planet, or is there something you can do to help somebody else? And that's part of my message for today. Join an organization, support a charitable cause, do something to help somebody else. Uh, You'll be much stronger. You'll be much better for it when you help somebody else. But the average um, for life expectancy doesn't mean a lot. You know, 81 for women, 76 for men. You know, sometimes I've told people, 
at seminars that I've done, do you know why men die earlier than women do? Well, the answer is because they want to. And uh, sometimes I get so laugh when I do it at the seminars, but it is a reality that uh, men just don't have the same life expectancy. Uh, women live longer because I think women are stronger, frankly, or genetically they're stronger. But um, we want to make sure when we live longer that we can also celebrate our extended life expectancy. We want to make sure that our resources, our assets, our income is going to continue to support us as we get older. We don't want to be dependent upon somebody else. Uh, we all have challenges, uh, whether it's sleeping patterns or changing appetites or declining health or mobility issues, whatever it happens to be, you want to make sure that you're doing something that makes you feel good. And I'll tell you what gives you a lot of energy. If you support a cause, if you support an organization, uh, if you go to a church or a temple or whatever you happen to be. But here's some startling statistics to tell you. The average retiree today in this country, I'm going to repeat that, the average retiree in this country today has saved $42,000. That's it. So everybody's dependent upon Social Security. Um, women retire with about 66% of the retirement savings of men. So when women retire, they only have about two-thirds of what a man might have, and yet they're going to live six years longer, and they're going to have greater medical expenses. So ladies who are listening today, let me tell you, you're going to live longer than your husband if you're married, and you're going to have less income when you do that, and you're going to have less in savings. So everybody really needs to pay attention to setting up a proper retirement plan, and that's what we can help you with at USA Wealth Group. Just give us a call at 508-998-8858. We're located on Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. We're virtually across the street from the Vanity Fair shopping plaza. And we have so many, many things that we can help you with and show you with, whether it's we're happy to give you a free copy of the Baby Boomer's Guide to Social Security. Do you know that approximately 50% of the people in this country do not make the right decision about taking Social Security? They make the wrong decision. Do you know that about half of the people in this country start Social Security at age 62? And for many of them, that's the wrong decision to make. But I'm going to give you a couple of tips about Social Security in a minute. I just want to say that 80% um, of women are single during the later years of their life. So even if you start out as a couple or as a married couple, uh, more women are going to end up being single and alone uh, than men will. And 80% of older adults are going to suffer from at least one chronic condition, and 50% of people will have at least two chronic conditions. Now, that sounds a little depressing, and I'm sorry to give you some of these kinds of statistics, but I want you to know that it's real important to do planning. Uh, don't put it off, and it's especially even more important for women to do planning because you're going to be the survivors. You're going to be the ones who are going to be left behind. So let me give you a couple of quotations about family because I like to give quotations. This is a lady named Marceline Cox. Heredity is the thing the child gets from the other side of the family. You know, you didn't inherit something from me. You got it from your mother, perhaps. And um, I like this one also from James Barry. James Barry, by the way, was a gentleman in England who wrote Peter Pan. And there's a play in New York right now. I haven't seen it, but I saw the movie. Um, 
Uh, what was it called? Raising Peter Pan? No. Well, anyway, James. it was the story of James Barry's life. So here's a quotation from him. Every man who is high up loves to think that he has done it all by himself. And the wife smiles and lets it go at that. Because we don't get anywhere in life together. We get somewhere in life together because we've got a family or because we've got friends or because we've got organizations we belong to. And um, the Duke of Windsor once wrote and said, the thing that impresses me most about America is the way parents obey their children. And boy, isn't that the truth today? So I like quotations about families. <clears throat> and I, I found a French proverb that I thought was especially useful for my own family. A father is a banker provided by nature. Um, I might have told this story once before. And Catherine, if you're listening, uh, forgive me, my daughter Catherine. Uh, we went on a vacation once and... She, I think she was about 12 years old, and she asked if she could borrow some money because she wanted to buy something in the store. So I gave her some money, and she went in, and she bought something, and she bought something for me. She came out with a shirt, and it was a shirt for me to wear, and it said on the shirt, I bank at the bank of Dad. But she borrowed my money to purchase the shirt, <laughs> which made the point. <laughs> Let me come back briefly to Tony Robbins. Uh, Tony Robbins has written a really interesting book. I'm going to give you a little plug for his book. It's called Money, Master the Game, Seven Simple Steps to Financial Freedom. Write this down, Tony Robbins, Money, Master the Game. You can buy this book in Barnes & Noble. You can buy this book in uh, BJ's Wholesale Club. I think I bought mine there on Impulse. It's a great book. I would say it's probably the best book on money that I've ever read. Everybody should read this book. Um, it's not the kind of thing you can read while you're lying in bed at night. You need to spend a little bit of time doing it. But I think if you make the effort to do that, you'll find it really worthwhile. Now, I bought this book because I've bought other things written by Tony Robbins before. And I thought this would be interesting. I flipped through the chapters and I said, yep, I'm going to write this book and read it. Um, if you haven't gathered by now, you know that I read the Wall Street Journal and I read the Financial Times a lot on the weekend, and I read everything and anything I can put my hands on about money and finances because it interests me and because I like to teach other people. But take a look at this book, Money, Master the Game by Tony Robbins. You'll be impressed. So I, I not only have enjoyed the book, and I continue to learn something every single day, but the other thing I found in this book, which I wasn't expecting, is this nationally-based company that I've been exploring is written about extensively in his book. And I'll be talking more about that in the weeks to come. <clears throat> Suffice it to say that this company that I'm working with is so impressive and has so many tools and ways to teach people about money and about social security that I was just really impressed to find out that Tony Robbins also has a relationship with this national company, which even further reinforced um, my the value of my buying this book. So I want to come back really briefly and just ask you this question about how long do you expect to live? When people answer this question, and if you think about it and ask yourself the question, how long do I expect to live, you're going to typically add about 10 more years to your life than you would if you were asked the question the opposite way. 
But I promised you I would give you some specific information about Social Security. And as you know, I sometimes do Social Security seminars, and sometimes I'll talk for the whole hour on just the topic of Social Security. I want to mention a couple of little-known things that you really ought to understand because it's important to people living um, who are not married but living together as a couple, for example. And you think, well, how can I collect Social Security from somebody if I'm not married to them? Do you ever wonder about that question? I know lots of people, myself personally, that have been living together for 15 years or 25 years or even longer, but for whatever reason, they've chosen not to get married. And by the way, this would also apply to same-sex couples because the United States government now recognizes that same-sex couples can be married and have the same rights and benefits under Social Security as married couples do. So let me tell you a little bit something about common law marriage. Common law marriage does not exist in Massachusetts. Some states specifically say if two people have been living together and declare themselves to be married, they're married. It's called a common law marriage. Or if they've lived together for a certain number of years. Massachusetts is one of the many states that does not recognize common law marriage. But guess what? Social Security does. Now, this, is a, this was a real eye-opener for me. I did not know this fact. So there's a particular section. I'm going to actually read the question to you. Does the Social Security Administration recognize common law marriage if the applicant resides in a common law state? Uh, yes, it does. So if somebody lives in a common law state that does recognize common law marriage, and we're not that state in Massachusetts, Social Security says, yep, you're a couple. You can collect on each other's Social Security. You can do spousal benefits and all those other wonderful things that we talk about. But the same section of Social Security that talks about uh, recognizing common law marriage um, also addresses the subject of a state that does not recognize common law marriage and applies for benefits. So the Social Security Administration does hold that if the claimants do not live in a common law state, Massachusetts, but if the couple live together and hold themselves out in the community with relatives, friends, neighbors, and so forth, that they're married or that they have a husband and wife relationship, then Social Security will treat it that a, so, that a marriage relationship does exist and both parties have a right to collect Social Security from each other. I was so impressed when I saw this in a course that I went to recently and did some training that what I wrote in the margin was, wow. So I don't think anybody I've ever talked to in the state of Massachusetts has ever realized that if you're living together and you say you're married, even though you're not legally married, you're entitled to collect Social Security benefits. So hopefully this will be something that I've taught some people today. And by the way, you may have to argue with Social Security because they're not going to understand it. Um, but if you want the exact rule and you're in that situation, give me a call at my office, 508-998-8858, and I'll give you the exact page, I'll give you the information, I'll give you the rule, and you can take that down to Social Security. So... Um, did you know you can collect Social Security benefits from multiple spouses? This is another little-known fact. If you have a death of, or a divorce, a lot of people who might qualify for Social Security benefits, um, they have unknown or difficult Social Security claiming op options. And so 
Sometimes they'll apply for only their own Social Security benefits or they'll, they know that they might be able to collect spousal benefits from an ex-spouse. Most people know that if you have a spouse that's deceased, you can collect survivor benefits, but I'll show you ways that you can collect a combination of these things. And there are ways in which you can do that. Um, one of the things I like to say sometimes when I do seminars on Social Security, um, if you are married and you have a spouse that's either divorced, you're divorced from or your spouse died and you're thinking about getting remarried, try to find somebody to remarry who has a larger Social Security benefit. So marry up, we like to say. Um, and speaking of multiple spouses, um, Abigail Van Buren, did you ever hear of Dear Abby? once wrote, in biblical times, a man could have as many wives as he could afford, just like today. So ponder that little thought for a moment. But um, enough of my quotations today. I want to give you a couple more small tips on Social Security. Um, we have very detailed strategies and information on Social Security. We're happy to share it with you. Um, all you have to do is ask. Make an appointment, come in. You know, here's a question to ask our listening audience. Do you think that the state of Massachusetts should force people to set aside money from their income to cover their retirement? I want to tell you right now that the states are moving in this direction, and so is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Again, a fairly recent article within the last month uh, in the Wall Street Journal, it's called States Step In for Retirees. Paycheck deductions for those lacking workplace accounts gain traction in Democratic legislatures. So, for example, just this past summer, this year, Oregon became the third state in the country to create legislation that puts uh, automatic individual retirement accounts in place for workers who don't have another retirement account. Now, if you think about it, most people don't have pensions anymore. Most companies have eliminated pensions, and they've set up uh, 401k accounts or 403b accounts, or if you're a teacher, although teachers still have state teacher pensions. And, but what if you work for a company that doesn't have a 401k plan or they can't force you to join a 401k plan? Some states, um, like Oregon and a few other states, uh, California was the first, New Jersey, California, and Oregon now have laws on the books that require employers to set up a retirement account like an IRA, and they mandate that there has to be a deduction put aside in those accounts. So they're, they're forcing individual workers to have a deduction from their paycheck to go into an IRA account. Do you think that's a good idea? I kind of think it's a good idea because people tend not to do it. They tend not to take advantage of their matching benefits and 401k plans and things of that nature. And maybe it's necessary to make people put money aside. We have a terrible record in this country of people saving money, don't we? Nobody saves enough money for retirement. All the statistics are out there. I mentioned it earlier. Forty-two, $43,000 is the average savings account when somebody goes to retire. You can't retire in that kind of money. You have to make other plans and other arrangements. So in any event, in Massachusetts right now, we have uh, pending legislation. It hasn't become law yet. Um, I haven't seen a copy of it or gotten more detail, 
But um, California, Oregon, and Illinois is also um, thinking about doing this. And they're thinking about taking 3% of your paycheck and putting it aside into a forced retirement account. And part of the rationale for this is that states are better equipped to do this than the federal government is. Um, and, of course, states can control your money in some ways better than the federal government can. So um, the Obama administration, by the way, supports these uh, state initiatives. And some people have said, you know what, I'm not trying to be, um, to, to be rich, but I certainly want to be comfortable in my retirement and if I have to give up a little bit of money right now to make sure I'm not going to be poor in my old age, then maybe that's not a bad thing to do. So let me know your thoughts on that some, sometime. Give me a call or get in touch with us on our website, usawealthgroup.com. Get in touch with our website. There's a lot of useful information there. But retirement is changing. Um, there are so many things we can do. I began this hour by talking a little bit about some of the negative economic signs that are out there in the economy today. Uh, I've told you that we have a problem with savings rates. I've asked you the question, which I want to ask you one more time, and this will be the last time. How long do you expect to live? And that, that should be a, a very important question for every one of us. And then the follow-on question for that has to be, how do you plan to live during these years that you plan to live? Have you put enough money aside what do you need to do right now to take some steps to be safe with your money and to make some money? Well, here's what we like to do with you. We want to make sure that you have a budget. I ask this question all the time. If you want a budget form, contact my office, either on uh, email or on their website, uh, usawealthgroup.com. Visit our website, contact us for information, or give us a call. We'll be happy to send you a budget form. Everybody needs to do a budget. It's like your roadmap. Secondly, we want to make sure you, you do proper Social Security decisions. Uh, there are so many things you can do. I've mentioned this once before, and I'm now mentioning it every time I have an opportunity to discuss this subject. Here's a Social Security tip for you, the most important tip you're going to hear today on Social Security. Everybody, when you reach the age of 62, sign up for Social Security. I, made, I mentioned earlier don't take your Social Security necessarily at 62, but what you want to do is you want to file at 62 and suspend. So you're making yourself eligible at 62, but you're suspending, so you're not taking the account, you're not taking the money, and you're letting the account continue to accumulate to a higher level. The difference between age 62 and age 66 is 25%. So if you take Social Security at age 62, you're going to get 25% less than the amount you would get if you waited until age 66. If you wait until age 70, the difference between age 66 to age 70, you're going to get 32% more between the age of 66 to age 70 if you can afford to wait until age 70. Once you make the decision and actually start taking the money, what it means is if you can wait longer, you're going to get a higher check to begin with, and it's going to be a higher check for the rest of your life. But if you take it too early, if you take it at the younger age, then you're starting out with a lower amount, and you're going to be at a lower amount for the rest of your life. The difference between those decisions, depending upon how long you live, can be literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for somebody. So make the right decisions on that. But let me come back to the main point, which is, why would you want to file at 62 and then suspend? 
And here's a good reason. And again, I had this graphically illustrated to me recently. If you file at 62 and then suspend, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to collect until I'm 66, or, or better yet, I'm not going to really start taking the money until I'm 70 because I want that higher paycheck. What happens now at age 68 if suddenly you become very ill and you have a terminal illness? and you don't have a long life expectancy. If you hadn't done anything at all to file and suspend, and you said, I better start collecting my Social Security now because I've just been given a short life expectancy, and you do that at age 68, and then you collect for a year and die, you've only collected a year's worth of Social Security benefits. But if you started instead at age 62, you file and suspend, Now what you could do at age 68 when you have that terminal diagnosis, you can say, I now want to collect all the money that I should have got if I had started at 62, and they're going to give you a big lump sum of money. We'll tell you more about that. Give us a call at 508-998-8858. We're happy to answer these questions. You know, we can all make a difference in the life of our family. We can all make a difference in the life of somebody else by helping a charity or Uh, something that you're interested in doing. Make a difference in the life of your family. Protect your family. Protect your money. Give us a call. And thank you so much for listening. We're going to come back in the next couple of weeks and talk a little bit more about these subjects. I'm going to go into detail and tell you the wonderful things you can do with life insurance that people typically don't talk about. You can use life insurance to create a larger benefit for your family but yet you can be building cash value in it. And if you need the money, you can borrow out that cash value. Let us show you some of the unique things that you can do. And thank you so much for listening. Please stay tuned again next week. We've got so much to share with you.